0: So we're continuing this series we've called Crosswords, um, and we're looking at this statement. He says, I thirst. And I don't know how that sounds to you, but it almost seems insignificant when you put it alongside the other ones, like, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, or um, last week we talked about, it is finished. I mean, this seems like a whole different category of statement compared to things so powerful, as the end of Jesus' life or the submission of, the, of God the Son's spirit into the hands of God the Father or God the Son looking up to God the Father and saying, It's finished. Everything you sent me to do is completely done. It's over. It's finished. It seems insignificant to somehow then say, I'm thirsty. So it makes you wonder, why is this in the Bible? Why does it matter that he was thirsty? Why not hungry? Why, why, not, why not I hurt? I think that's what I would have been tempted to say. I, I hurt. My body hurts. Why not I'm tired? Why did he say I'm thirsty? Well, if you have something to write with this morning, I want to give you a few reasons I think it's significant that Jesus said, I'm thirsty. I thirst. So if you, maybe you have a smartphone or something, you want to take a few of these notes down. Here's the, here's the first thought. He was thirsty to show us he was human. Now, scientists tell us that thirst is the most agonizing of all pains. Every, uh, the reason is, is it affects you on a cellular level. It doesn't just affect an organ. It doesn't just affect your skin. It doesn't just affect your mind. It doesn't just affect... It goes down into the very uh, cells of your body, and every cell in your body when you're extremely dehydrated is crying out for thirst. I don't know if you ever caught the uh, cable series, I Shouldn't Be Alive. Anybody, anybody watch the show, I Shouldn't Be Alive? Anybody? Yes? Yeah? I got, I got addicted to that for a while. I, I don't know what it was, the, the cliffhanger, the edge, the, you know, I, sh- I Shouldn't Be Alive. It was a, if you never saw it, it was, a, um, it was true stories of people's lives who survived against all odds, and it was uh, reenacted in order to tell the story. So nearly every one of the episodes had one thing in common. For those, I probably saw, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 of them over a few years. But every episode had almost all of, everyone that I could think of has one thing in common. It's thirst. Extreme dehydration. A Boy Scout troop is trapped in the Grand Canyon and a, a massive heat wave looms down on top of them and they begin to bake in the open sun. A couple's lost in the wilderness, separated from any sense of hydration or water. A young family with a baby stranded in Alaska walks for miles in the snow, but not able to uh, rehydrate their body with enough moisture to stay hydrated. Three people are floating day and night in the open water in the Gulf of California. A young lady is running in Utah and falls and breaks her leg. She's lost in a maze of canyons, fighting for her life, sunburned and dehydrated. And the best scene in every episode is always the same. It's when the the stranded person gets rescued. And the best scene after the person gets rescued almost always happens. They pull them in the lifeboat. They pull them in the helicopter, they pull them in the car, they rescue them wherever they're being rescued, they wrap a, a, a blanket around their body to comfort them, and then they hand them water. They, they have pushed the limits of extreme dehydration with a scorched throat and dry lips. They drink water for the first time, and it feels like you can watch color and life and hydration come back into them. And it's only reenacted. <laughs> that was incredible. Boy, those are good actors. But w- when they drink for the first time, you, c- you almost oh, oh, you could, you, it makes you thirsty. You can almost feel it coming back into their life, life coming back into their body. Why did Jesus say he was thirsty? Because to be thirsty is to be human. But Jesus' thirst wasn't natural. It wasn't caused by uh, uh, excessive exercise. It wasn't just caused by going too long without water. Jesus' dehydration was caused by a massive loss of blood. And the person who created water was now, in an ironic twist, crying out for water. The living water was dry. In this two-word statement, Jesus pulls us into this mystery we call the incarnation. Now, incarnation is the is the doctrinal word for the idea that Jesus wasn't half God and half man. He wasn't 50% this and 50% that. But that somehow, in some unexplainable mystery, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. That's what the incarnational doctrine says. What the incarnation really is, is a mystery that we can't really explain. Incarnation is just a name that we give to this mystery. This mystery is not so much to be Uh, explained as it is to be experienced. So uh, an agnostic or an atheist might look at this mystery we call incarnation and they may jab a hole in it and say, it sounds like a cop-out. If Jesus really is God, if Jesus really is human, if Jesus really is fully both, why can't you explain it? How can He be all God and all human? I'm not sure how small God would have to be For me to fully understand him and explain him. But I'm pretty sure I'm not interested in following a God that's small enough for me to fully understand and fully explain. If Jesus is God, why would he ever be thirsty? Because he's also human. And there's no biological or scientific answer that satisfies how he can be both. But love will explain some things to us that science can never explain. At the time of Jesus' death, there were some Greeks who thought Jesus was a spirit. He wasn't, he wasn't real. He wasn't, he wasn't a real body. He was just a spirit who appeared to be a man. So since he only appeared to be a man, he didn't really die, he appeared to die. Some went so far as to say it wasn't really Jesus on the cross, it was Simon. Simon was on the cross, the the one who, uh, according to tradition, and maybe you see the movie, you know, they have him kind of pick Jesus up and carry the beam for him. Some people say he's the one that was really on the cross. Today there's some people who believe Jesus didn't die on the cross at all. By the way, including most Muslims... Most Muslims believe that Jesus didn't die on the cross. Some Muslims believe that Jesus was crucified, but he was taken down and rescued before he died. Other Muslims believe that God saved him and took him to heaven before his death. Some others believe a man was arrested and crucified in Jesus' place. Now, it's important that Jesus was really thirsty like we're really thirsty. It's important that he really died the way that we really died. If Jesus wasn't really human, then he couldn't really die. If he couldn't really die, there's no forgiveness for sin. That's a critical understanding. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 in the uh, New Living Translation, listen to this. Therefore, boy, if, if you have any word that even sounds like this in your Bible, it'd be good to circle it. Therefore, it was necessary. Therefore, it was necessary for him, Jesus, to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we're being tested. He had to be like us. In other words, he had to be where we are so he could bring us to where he is. Do you know know what the saying, I thirst, means? When Jesus says, I thirst, here's what it means. It's Jesus saying to you and me, I know how you feel. I know how you feel. I have felt what you feel, and I know what it feels like to be human. I know what it feels like to suffer. I know what it feels like to want. I know what it, it feels like to feel, to hurt, to desire, to long, to ache, to want. This was a thirst produced... By a man who carried the sins of the entire world. He was thirsty to show us he was human. Now here's the uh, next thought. He was also thirsty because he drank the sin of the world. Now that's an important thought. He was thirsty because he drank the sin of the whole world. Sin always leaves you thirsty. Sin never satisfies you. Sin never replenishes. Sin has no life-giving ability into it. Jesus was thirsty because he drank the sin of the whole world. There are only two times in the entire Bible that the Bible says that Jesus was thirsty. Once right here on the cross when he said, I thirst. The other instance was an occasion when he was sitting by a well. And he met a woman who had come to the well to get water. And what followed was a revealing conversation about how to know God. In John 4.13, he says to her, Whoever drinks this water, speaking of the water, that you can get in a normal well. Whoever drinks this water, whoever drinks the water of the world, will thirst again. You can come to the well and you can drink, but by tomorrow you're going to be thirsty again. You're going to have to come back and you're going to have to drink again. Now, Jesus was speaking both naturally And he was speaking in metaphor. He was using water to say to her, the things that you're trying to do to satisfy your life are never going to satisfy her. And he knew exactly who he was talking to and and being used in one of the gifts of the Spirit, he even says to her. He has knowledge about her he has no human way to have. He knows things about her that God God the Father told him about her. And he says to her, You're you're right, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. See, this woman had been drinking from the wrong well. She'd been drinking water from the wrong well. She'd been bouncing from one person to another, and no man had ever been able to meet the deepest desires of her life. There's no human relationship that'll ever satisfy our inner longings because we were created to know God. God. I think it's interesting that he says to her, you can keep drinking what you're drinking, but you'll never be full. You'll never be full. You'll never be satisfied. Your heart will always ache. Your mind will always be plagued with these things. You'll always be driven by worry and by fear and by anxiety, never by peace, never by satisfaction, never by joy. The fruit of the Spirit will never be yours because you're drinking from the wrong well. So I just happened to think about that. You can write over the top of any one of these things that you want to. In this lady's case, it happened to be relationships. But there's a lot of buckets floating around in our life you could write the same thing over top of. Oh, most people here this morning probably haven't been married five or six times. Maybe that's not any way that you ever sought to feel the inner need inside your life. But you could write over this a lot of different things. So... Let me find the one I want. Here we go. You could write over this possessions. Every American knows that every week there's going to come a flyer in your mailbox, email, pop up on your screen, or on your cell phone. And you know what it's going to be? It's going to have... It's going to tell you about a new product you've never had or owned before and it will be the thing that will change your life. If you'll just buy it, and by the way, it's on sale. And if you'll get it today, we'll throw in another one, right? And the later it gets at night, the better the deals get on TV. Have you ever noticed that? Boy, the midnight deals are a lot better than 11 o'clock ones. I mean, they'll throw in a Ginsu knife if you'll order now. And possessions. We can take the possessions of the world and we can keep filling ourselves up with them. If I just own this, if I just had a new car, if I just somehow was able to buy a, a, a vacation home, or if I was just able to have a cabin, or maybe a boat. Or, or maybe uh, this set of golf clubs. Or if I was just able to buy this technology or this phone or this computer. If I was able to have a house like so-and-so has. If I was ever able to just fill my life up with these possessions. if I was But here's what this looks like. It is just like pouring in dry and dirty nothing. That's what you do. You can drink and drink and drink and drink and you'll never be full. You'll never be full. Like this woman. She poured in her life. She tried to fill the bucket up with relationships. Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. We live in a time today where the the breakdown of the family is causing catastrophic pain. And so many times we run directly in the arms of another person trying to cure what happened to us or didn't happen to us in our family. And we keep pouring it in and pouring it in and pouring it in. And you know what it is? It is absolutely dry and dead nothing. You can, you can have the best friendship. You can have the best relationships. You can, have the, you can keep searching in the eyes of another person for satisfaction. And I'm telling you, you'll never find it. You'll never find it. And this is one that I think is sort of uh, interesting for us Americans experiences. You know, we don't have birthday parties anymore, right? Nobody buys a birthday cake anymore, right? You write a checkout or you go online and put in the coupon code. You get the, you know, the code, the discount, and you book a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. And what you buy is a birthday experience. I'll tell you what, we'll come mess your place up. We'll take the toys home and you clean all that up and I'll pay you, right? Actually, that's kind of that's nice, isn't it? <laughs> Experience. Experiences. You know, uh, maybe you've heard this phrase was made popular through the movie The Bucket List. Man, there's some things I'd just like to do before I leave earth. I mean, I've only got so many years to live. And there's some experiences that I'd like to have. Man, I'd like to... Go on vacation here. Or I'd like to go over there. I'd like to have this experience. I'd like to have these experiences in my life. I'd, 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 I'd like to have this hobby. Or, look, those things, those things in and of themselves, they're not bad. I think everybody ought to have a hobby. It might keep you from chewing your family out. It's a good thing. Might keep you. might make us all like you better. Hobby's not a bad thing. A vacation's not a bad thing. But here's the question. Does it produce life? No. It might help define your personality. It might give your body and emotions some rest that you need. It might refresh your outer man, but it does not produce life. So we have people going all over the country traveling and seeing the world and doing this and doing that and running here and there and the other, but it doesn't produce life. We have families that engage their their entire family engages in every extracurricular activity the city offers. At the YMCA and the Sports League and football and baseball and basketball and soccer and gymnastics and dance and swim team and club this and club that and running till your head pops off. Does it produce life? It doesn't produce life. So we just keep pouring it in, pouring it in, pouring it in, saying, Oh God, God, please, I want to have life. I want to be satisfied. I want to have all the experiences that I'm supposed to have before I die. But there's no life, there's a new one on the horizon. Good causes. Boy, that's true. That's true. I'm not going to be like those people that just live for themselves. I'm not going to be like those who just want stuff and who who think it's going to be found another person. or Those people who just have all those experiences that make them happy. I'm going to fight for a good cause. And we have people engaging all over the country into a good cause. Now, I'll be the first one to admit, it's better than a bad cause. Right? <laughs> I'm like for it. I like when good things are done. Right? It's better than when bad things are done. But here's the thing. Is there any, is there any good enough cause? So you have people doing really good work. Really good work. You'll, I guarantee you in the next decade, you're going to see a rise among atheists and agnostic and humanist and all kinds of people to save the earth, to save the animals, to save children, to save... And I'm telling you, every one of their causes has a truth in it. And we have a call as God's family to participate in most of those causes because in root, they're good. Here's the thing. Does The cause produce life. Does it produce life? Can I be so captured and become so passionate by a cause that it will fill me up inside and make me fully alive? Is that that possible? We just keep pouring these good works and good things that we're doing in our life, and in the end, it it may bless another person. It may provide relief. But it has no spiritual life in it. I will thirst again. I will thirst again. We live in a culture that tells us when we get a little bit more, we'll be satisfied. When we arrive, we'll be satisfied. When we achieve, we'll be satisfied. When we attain, we'll be satisfied. When we, when we just invest our life in the right external cause, we'll be satisfied. The only problem is there's no stopping point. No matter what level you're on, just a little bit more always seems to be the answer that promises satisfaction but never del- delivers it. But Jesus said, if you drink this water, you'll thirst again. You'll always want more. The woman at the well drank sin, and it left her thirsty. She was running through men like water, but she was never satisfied. No matter what well you drink from, no matter what bucket you drink from, you'll always get thirsty again. This woman's thirsty because she's drinking from the wrong bucket. Why was Jesus thirsty? The same reason the woman at the well was. He was drinking the sin of the world. There's no life in sin, there's no life in causes, there's no life in relationship, there's no internal life inside those things. He drank all the sin of the world and it left God dehydrated. This is what it comes down to. Because Jesus was thirsty, we don't have to be. He took our thirst on himself. We don't have to go looking in other places. Later on in that same occurrence in John 4, 13, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. So Jesus has living water. He has a bucket. He he has a spray that comes inside. We will never thirst again when we drink the water that Jesus gives satisfies our soul, pours in life. By the way, the woman did drink the living water. She did drink the living water, and she went back to town, and she told people what had happened. She said, come meet a man that told me everything I ever did. And they came to see for themselves, and the Bible says that many of them believed. So many of them believed that they begged Jesus to stay a couple of days with them. Just stay with us and keep explaining, keep talking to us, keep giving us this living water. And Jesus did stay with them two days, and many more of them believed because he stayed, the Bible said. By the way, church tradition says that this woman that Jesus met at the well became the pastor of the church in that city. She drank from the well, and she never thirsted again. Jesus' words were true. She was satisfied. There's one true well. There's one true source. And if we drink from it, we'll never thirst again. He was thirsty because he drank the sin of the world. Here's the last one. He was thirsty to show us desire. He was thirsty to show us desire. To crave. To desire. To long for. To want. We see him talking to the woman at the well and his thirst... His thirst keeps him there. His thirst for what? His thirst to help her. The disciples go into town and they go to get something to eat. Jesus says, no, I'll be here if you need me. I'm going to stay here. His thirst for her soul, his thirst to help her, his thirst to show her God's love kept him there. Now here he is hanging on the cross again and he's thirsty again. He's thirsty. Thirsty for what? He's thirsty to help us. He desires, he longs, he craves to help us. His thirst keeps him on that cross. The Bible said he could have called for thousands of angels to come and pull him off that cross, but his thirst kept him there. His desire kept him there. His desire for you kept him there. The Bible says that Jesus is the living The fountain of living water. But as you look on the cross and Jesus says, I'm thirsty, the fountain of living water is drying up. The source is dying. God comes to earth to offer living water to humanity and humanity chooses to destroy the spring. This reminds me so much of Jeremiah 2, verse 13. Jeremiah, who had been called by God, To speak his word to Israel. He says in Jeremiah 2.13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me. The spring of living water. And have dug their own cisterns. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. The people had forsaken God. And had chosen instead to drink the muddy run off water. With broken containers. That would hold no water in the end. So, this morning I want to ask you, what is it that you want? What is it that you desire, the deepest desire of your heart? What well are you drinking from? What well are you, what bucket are you depending on to provide your soul satisfaction and life and peace, strength and joy and heaven? What what bucket are you drinking from? There's only one thing that you and I can ever desire that will ever satisfy us. Jesus. There's nothing else that will ever satisfy your soul. John 7, 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood, this is what the Bible says, and said in a loud voice, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. There's only one well you can drink from that will ever satisfy your thirst. And that's the well that's found Jesus' living water. Drink this water. You'll never thirst again. Drink the water Jesus gives you. This isn't just a message for people who've never accepted Christ. Jeremiah 2.13 doesn't say that. Jeremiah 2.13 says that my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me the spring of living water. So how about it this morning? How about it? Where, Where are your hours spent? What sources are you depending on? What things are you leaning on in your life? Maybe you've come here this morning and you've been looking for a while, but no matter how hard you try, no matter what changes you find in your life, you try to institute in your life, you can't find any satisfaction. You can't find any internal joy or peace. Why don't you trade that bucket in you're drinking from this morning and why don't you pray and ask Jesus to come into your life today? Maybe you're here and it's been a long time since you've been in a church. Maybe you there was a time that you walked with God and you don't walk with God now. I just came to tell you this morning, straight from His words on the cross, I'm thirsty. He's thirsty for you. He wants you. He longs for you. And He's provided water that once you drink, you'll never get thirsty again. This morning, in just a minute, we're going to pray. And when we do, if that's you, I want to ask you. I want to ask you to respond. I want to ask you to pray. I want to ask you to... Invite Jesus into your life. I want to ask you to do what this woman at the well did to drink from this well. To take Jesus at his word. To try him. Maybe for you to try him again. Drink living water inside your soul. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. As they're coming. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a believer. Maybe you're just like the people Jeremiah spoke to. You're a believer, but you've neglected the living water. So you come this morning and you say, I hear the songs, I hear the, I hear the music, I look around and I see people that seem to be alive and filled with joy and passion and I'm dry and I'm numb and my relationship with God has grown flat and I just feel empty this morning. Oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I believe when I go to heaven, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But if I'm honest with you if I'm honest with myself, I've been, I've been drinking from some of these buckets, and I've been trying to work my life out, and it's left me empty. And I, I so much need the living water that only Jesus can. In a minute, I want to ask you to respond. I want to ask you to respond and pray. And the same Jesus that poured this water into this woman's life, He's waiting. You drink from the right bucket, your life will start to change. Maybe, Maybe you came this morning and you say, the truth is, I'm just thirsty. I'm just at a place in my life that I'm thirsty. I want God. Just like Jesus thirsted for me on the cross. Just like Jesus thirsted for that woman at the well. I'm thirsty back for Him. I just want Him. I want Him. I crave Him. I long for Him. I I desire Him. I, I wrote a thought down when I was preparing this message that struck me. I've never heard it or thought about it this way but maybe these words give words to your feelings i want to want you the way you want me god i want to want you the way you want me i want to thirst for you the way you thirst for me i was so moved um if you'd stand with me for a minute I don't, I don't, uh, he is here. Doug, I, I want to share a thought uh, for a minute that you shared with me. And I, I don't, I don't believe that you would mind this or I wouldn't do it. Uh, Doug is greater, received some challenging news, to their family about his health. And so I was talking to Doug the other day and I was praying with him. And Doug said something on the phone when we were talking that stirred my heart. Listen to what he said. He said, I don't want us to be just a passive church family. He said, I want to have hunger and passion for God burning on the inside. Man, that struck my soul. I don't want to be just a passive church family. I don't want to mail it in, check the box, just reply to the email. I said, I don't know how that looks on the outside necessarily, but I don't even think it has a lot to do with the outside. I want it to be alive inside. I want to be alive. I want our family to get it, to catch it, to know it. Passionate, to be hungry. Thirst. Every cell of your body to crave God. I want to thirst. I want to long. I want to, I want to, I want to long for God. Well, maybe one of those fits you this morning. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond. It's very important that you respond. It's not important that you just hear. It's important that you act on what you hear. It's important if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, if I speak to you, it doesn't matter. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's very important that you respond. So I'm going to ask the prayer team to come this morning while they're coming, every eye closed. If you're here this morning you say, I'm I need to reconnect with God. I've been away from Him, maybe out of church for a while. And this morning, I need to reconnect with God. I need to invite Jesus back into my life. I need to ask Him for forgiveness. With every eye closed, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray with you this morning and say, That's me. That's me. I I need, need to invite Jesus back into my life again. Or into my life for the first time. Would you lift your hand? Can I see you?